Hi there, welcome back to Sky High Musings. I'm Monica and with me here is Jake. Hi Jake. Uh, hello, happy to be here. Yeah, Jake's a returning uh, visitor to the show and um, right now Jake is working on a project. He is a writer and a producer and can you talk about your project at all, Jake? Yeah, I'm just, um, I'm helping some people out producing a short film. It's a, uh, it's a thriller kind of thing. Um, uh, pretty confident about it. It has uh, a really good solid script. Um, really like the director's other stuff that he's done. Um, and it's a twin thriller, which is pretty unique. Nice. Yeah. Well, good. I look forward to um, being able Do you, are you going to, once it's out, or is it going to be able, are we going to be able to watch it somehow? Eventually. I mean, you know, this, we're not going to do production until probably another month. And then after that, there's editing for God knows how long. And then, you know, trying to get into festivals and all that rigmarole. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, eventually it'll be out for, I'm sure, the public to see. Um, but I won't, I won't be necessarily in charge of that aspect. Right, um, right. I just was wondering, it would be kind of cool if you got it all done that you could come back and maybe talk with us about it. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. pop some champagne, roll hey, the red carpet out. Heck, yeah. I want to do, what do they do, that thing where you do the, it's, they call it two-step and snap or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> was that some, like, old, like, uh, Hollywood they, thing? They got some lingo for when people walk the red carpet. They take two two steps and take the picture. I don't know. Sounds like that thing they did in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? They, like, kind of, like, a... I do. You know, like a, it's not a jig. I don't know what it is. Uh, that's pretty like, funny to me that you... That's what comes to mind when you think of, like, some kind of hinky dancing. Well, I wasn't thinking hinky, per se. That makes it sound like they're, like, dancing sensuously or something. <laughs> um, well, today, we're not talking about film today. Uh, you are kind of my literary um, go-to so I appreciate that, and but we I noticed that you were reading a very thick book, and then I got to talking to you about the book, and um, because you are somebody who's kind of interested in film and books, um, I was wondering if you would share with me and the audience you, the one book you think everyone should read. Yeah, um, I mean, that's a tough question, because I think that uh, there's a lot of great books, and you know, there's a lot of great books everybody should read. Um, but the one I'm choosing today is the one I'm, I'm just reading right now, which is The Brothers Karamazov by, uh, Dostoevsky, mm -hmm. famous for Crime and Punishment, The Idiot, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, it's a great book. It's, um, it's a, technically it's a murder mystery, even though the murder mystery part doesn't happen for like two thirds the way in. Um, but it's about a, a patriarch who gets murdered, the father Karamazov. And he has three sons, um, Dmitri, Ivan, and Alyosha, um, and they all deal with very different kind of uh, spiritual and uh, questions of politics and morality. Um, very briefly, Dmitri is like a very sensual dude, like he's into hedonism, he likes to have like parties and go crazy, uh, he gets angry and sad and upset and happy at kind of a turn of a dime. Um, Ivan's very smart. He's like an intellectual, um, but he's very like, he doesn't believe in God. He's very atheistic. He's very secular. Um, but he also has, of all three, the most knowledge of religion and stuff like that. Um, and then you have Alyosha, who's like basically lived most of his life in a monastery. He's very like pure of heart, but in like a 
little bit of a naive way, not very worldly. Um, but yeah, the the book is the the very brief like why I don't want to just sit here and talk because it's seven hundred pages. You know? Right, right, and and I'm glad you would ta- address why it's a good book to read because there are so many people who are busy and they're like, you know, how quickly can I read it? And so that's very clearly a, an investment of your time. Yeah. Well, I think the the best works usually are long and it's it's not like there's like a requirement or it's like the more words it has, the better it is. But you, it probably is a little bit just because it is able to um, tackle tougher topics like uh, spirituality, the morality, so on and so forth. Uh, my next book that I'm hoping to read um, that I'm excited for is Moby Dick. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who are, like, really into Moby Dick. Um, well, that sounds like a good group of friends. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not, like, hanging with people who are talking about the new Xbox, you know? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, I can't wait to read the new Xbox. <laughs> it's very difficult to read. I'm thinking it's about... very dense. I'm thinking... <laughs> Of that scene from Zoolander where they, she said uh-huh. that the files are in the computer uh, yeah. and they're banging on the computer. Yeah, they're acting like cavemen, yeah. like bonking it with stuff. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So continue. Yeah. So the the quick and skinny of like, you know, why you should invest your time in, into this, I got 700 page book. Uh, very briefly. One, it's, it's well written. You have to get a particular translation. There's a whole translation like oh, debacle. Oh wow! Yeah. So what does that mean? Is there a special edition people should look for? There's one besides the cliff note. <laughs> <laughs> the um, there's so there's one the a lot of the books people have read by Dostoevsky are probably translated by his chick named Constance Garnett, who is okay, but she writes it in a very Victorian matter of fact way, and it's not very pleasant to read. It's kind of dull. It's very like. Gosh, that explains a lot. I'm you serious. probably honestly like. You... Well, I find I find Dostoevsky to be quite interesting, but um, yeah, I mean, I, it's not pleasant. Like you're kind of like you're kind of sludging through it, and it, no disrespect to her because she like was the first one to translate all that, but also it's not very it's not fun. You know, that's fascinating. See, I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah, so there's the one I'm reading. I mean, I knew it like with the Bible, right? I yeah, mean, of course. So I knew that this existed, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, the one I'm reading is by a husband and wife who were like, <laughs> uh, originally were like, man, this translation's not that great. Like, they're Russian immigrants. Um, and so they're like, well, why don't we translate it? And so they did it where it's like, they translated it both literally, but also they tried to be kind of like, what is, what is he trying to do? Like, they're trying to retain more of Dostoevsky's style, because Constance Garnett kind of takes that away a bit, because... Dostoevsky is a very big rambler. Mm-hmm. He loves. He's very excited. Like when you read it, it's it's too much almost. Where he's like, hold I can, on for I a can relate. Hold on for I a can second. relate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people have told me you're flooding me. Wait, wait. Yeah, he, but when I get excited, it's like you know it. First of all, there's no hiding it. Mm-hmm. So he's just is probably like a little word vomiting going on. Yeah. Well, he also he uh, usually would dictate his novels to his wife slash assistant. And the, uh, I mean, most of the time he was, like, barely hitting his deadlines because these were released as serials, which was just which what you did back at the time. Yeah. 
Um, he was a huge, like, gambler and stuff, so he'd spend more time doing that. And then he's like, I will do this in, like, 12 hours. <laughs> like, a 200-page thing. So he's just... Also relatable. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why sometimes when you're reading it, you're like, he's just not saying, like, anything, right? He's just, like, a bunch of stuff that's like, what? What the heck? Yeah. But this couple is trying to retain that a little bit, um, which makes it... I mean, it... it I actually have both versions, the Constance Garnet and this one. I picked up one of them at, like, a flea market for, like, a buck. Um, and I switched over to the other one the because it's – and it's, like, I could read – I literally read 100 pages yesterday. Because wow. It's, it's, well, it's infinitely readable. Wow. Compared to the other version. You're See, like, that's such a great – I feel like this podcast right now is already worth people's listening time because even if it doesn't – even if they don't choose to not go out and read that book – it may apply to other books. Oh, yeah. I mean... I mean, I who even knew, right? I mean, I guess literary people know. Yeah, but it, but it is an interesting thing. It's like, if you're reading a book that's not English... Right. Then it's been translated, and when it's been translated, it's handed through by to someone else's, like, brain. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they might infuse a little bit of themselves into that, right. whether they do it knowingly or not. Um, but yeah, but besides the 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 writing aspect is, is very readable, um... He's not super eloquent, which a lot of, like, literary types don't necessarily like. Like, he's not Faulkner, who's all, can turn a purple phrase, like, really beautifully. Mm-hmm. But he's, like, very densely psychological. Interesting. Um, so he's really an in-your-mind kind of guy. Yeah, like, he's, and, like, the characters he lays out are kind of, like, they're not, they have character, but they're also, like, you know, this is the smart guy. This is the, the, the guy who's really into emotions and mm-hmm. stuff, the... the the Christian, basically. so it's very clear. He keeps the characters very clear. Yeah, and the the big the the reason why people read this book in particular is like you know these characters having to like a clash of stuff, right? Like of ideas, um, especially like when Dostoevsky is writing. This is it right before like you know the revolution happens with communism and stuff. So that's a big part of the book is about like. Their strike, their pe- characters are grappling with like, okay, there's, you know, there's some characters like I believe in God and you know we do things this way or I believe in God and we do things that way, and then the other people are like I don't believe in God and that becomes the question of like how do you uh, maintain like morality or ethics because um, the murder that happens in this book and in Crime and Punishment basically is like by characters who are like rationale is like okay look like i don't believe in god you know the guy i'm murdering is not that he's not a good guy or right. a good woman in right. the case of crime and punishment and like the world will be better and like other people's lives will literally be made better and karamazov the the father is interested in this chick who's kind of loosey-goosey that his son is also interested they're both pursuing her at once and they're like fighting with each other like literally like beating each other up for it for her affection um and a character is like look like if he married if the father married this chick she would take all the money and may bail and you won't make any inheritance the right. father's very rich from very like very dubious uh like landowning transactions it sounds kind of soap opera it is a bit it's very like there's a lot of like drama like the um Grishenka is the chick that's like everybody's in love with um, but she's also, like, you want to hate her because she's kind of, like, she's very tricky and, like, you know, mischievous, but she's also deeply passionate herself. Um, 
and like uh yeah the uh it's very, very soap opery actually it's um, kind of interesting it's like a take it and slap it on with one of those you know fancy like you know covers that has fabio on the front and it would probably sell today <laughs> yeah you, you might need to like, sell it as a series right yeah. <laughs> break, break it down into several books yeah and then maybe like up the romance a little bit but yeah, yeah honestly the um and everybody in the book is like on the verge of like emotional outburst just because that's how Dostoevsky kind of is as a well guy. I think that's kind of cultural too isn't it I think so Maybe? but it's like it to me Russians seem like they're very like hyper stoic but in the book everybody's like on the either on the verge of tears or on the verge of laughter just they're really passionate um uh which makes it kind of funny to read where it's like like characters are like tearing up and stuff and it's like like wow they're really into this um but uh the the really the there's a big chapter in there that is like to me like you could not read the entire book but you should read this one chapter like you're like i don't have time jake i don't have time to sit listen to 700 pages of you know russians discussing egalitarianism or russians discussing whatever but there's a chapter called the grand inquisitor which is a ivan who's the smart one who doesn't believe in god proposes this uh he's like i wrote this story and i'm gonna tell you my brother alyosha this who's a christian um ivan's very much like if there is a god i choose not to believe in him because i like he causes suffering on innocent people and that just doesn't sit right with me but he has a story where in this story jesus comes back during the inquisition the spanish inquisition and you know during that time catholic church is just like if you're like if you say you're a lutheran or anything like you're done you're out you're tortured and killed yeah um, and so Jesus returns, and it's like, for sure, Jesus. And the Grand Inquisitor, is like, the, the head honcho of this, is like, all right, we have, like, he, Jesus is doing miracles on the streets, and the Grand Inquisitor's like, all right, lock this guy up. Whoa. And the Grand Inquisitor's like, all right, look, dude, like, I'm just like, I'm gonna lay it straight out to you. And it's mostly just the Grand Inquisitor's monologue. Jesus doesn't say a word the whole time. But he's like, all right, dude, listen up. I gotta kill you. I just got it. Like, does the guy know he's Jesus? Yeah. Okay. Like, part of it is explained, like, he might be a little mad or he's old. He's, like, 90 years old. But he's also, like, look, like, when you came on earth, you promised to end suffering. Like, that's why you died on the cross is so that sin is absolved. And, but, you did, like, you didn't really do it the way that people would want it. And so you had the three tests, right, in the desert. Jesus went out to the desert and fasted for 40 days. And the devil came and was like, all right, dude, I'm going to test you. And one of the tests was like, oh, you're hungry, my dude? Like, check out these stones. Why don't you just turn them into bread? And Jesus, the famous line of uh, man cannot live on bread alone. Um, But also the implication is like, Jesus could, he's, uh, you know, God manifested or the son of God and or the son of God. So he could just theoretically, and he's done it, just be like, all right, everybody, like, you know, there is no more world hunger, right? Or, you know, when he he's tossed, like, the devil's also, like, you know, like, jump off the temple in Jerusalem and God will catch you or whatever. Um, you know, Jesus brought a dude back to life, which nobody has ever done, you know. Like, he can do these miracles and God's like, you know, it's like, you know, don't test this. So the Grand Inquisitor's point is like, all right, look, like, you said you would end suffering. You could kind of do it, and you didn't. You did in a way, but not in the way we want it. So we, the Inquisition, realize that we have to not follow your law. We have to follow the law of the devil. 
in the sense that we can end world suffering by creating like a one unified government or one unified movement um and um you know and we may cause a lot of suffering we may burn people and torture them and stuff um but we can make we'll take away free will that's the big thing is like you gave people free will i'm sorry if people can't handle free will you you know that was a big mistake you gave them the choice of to follow you to the cross or to to not and you know people they're this free will stuff too much for people so we'll take it away as the inquisition you'll be you know, do as you're told shut up and follow our rules and everybody will be happy the only people who will be miserable are the people in the inquisitors who are like have to realize like oh man like we are doing the devil's work but this will make humans universally happy and so the inquisitors like shrug and is like all right like you know what do you think of that and so the story ends where jesus gets up comes the inquisitor and, and kisses him and the um it's never said outright what this means um whether it's forgiveness, whether it's, like, love, you know. Right. Um, and so that the name of that chapter is what? The Grand Inquisitor. Okay. Is it really a standalone? You could read it you on its could, own? You could, I'm sure. Yeah, and it's, like, um, you know, the obviously Dostoevsky, by choosing the Inquisition, stuff like that, is, like, he's making comments about the Catholic Church specifically. Right. You know, the... Um, you know, Russia is Greek ortho is Russian Orthodox, which is totally different. But you don't even need to be like a Christian religious person to read it that way. You could replace the Inquisitor with, say, um, a politician, exactly. Or, yeah, with you know, with Stalin or sure. with Hitler or someone sure. who's like, or even just a yeah, like a politician. Just anyone today, you plug it in, right? A technocrat from today is like, we can end suffering. We're going to take away your free will, and that's it. And Jesus, what does he do? He gives him a big kiss, and the Inquisitor is like, has a realization, and is like, he unlocks the cell and lets Jesus go, but he does say like, I'm not changing, like, right, but I'm gonna let you go. Interesting. Um, so what do you what do you think at the end? What what do you think the the point of that was? Like, kind of in the middle of this book, like, why did Dostoevsky do that? Uh, like the the story in general, or the Just, the end of the story? No, the the why did he pop that particular chapter in there? That sounds very. I mean, just a minute ago, we were saying it was a soap opera. And now, <laughs> and now suddenly there's this kind of, it sounds like a pretty global worldview about religion and... And, and politics, Politics yeah. and, and... And free will. Mm-hmm. And also organized religions. Uh, like, was that just a part of his, other part of his makeup? Like, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of Dostoevsky's books, this one's like, this book in particular is like, he takes ideas from Crime and Punishment, from his other book, The Idiot, which is about, like, uh, you know, what if a guy who was like Jesus came back, like someone who's just pure of heart. Mm -hmm. And that one, it's like, well, the horrible influences of the world would just... Crush him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's all that's kind of put together in this book. So it, this is his last book. He died literally right after it got wow. published. It sounds um, exhausting. <laughs> it kind of is. But it's like, I guess, because the whole book is about this idea of, like, free will and stuff, right? Where it's yeah. like, um, you know, if there's a God or, you know, if there is goodness, like, can there also be this? Um, yeah. So that that's a good, I mean, we'll probably cap it at that so, because that seems like a good you know, stopping point for the people in the audience if they're interested. I do think there's such a... People are dying for content. 
And what they're forgetting about are old books, old books that have been around. And, yeah. And you know the the plot line of that. I mean, you got me interested. And I will I will confess I've confessed this on the pod before, and people are probably aware of this, but. I have a lot of trouble reading books that have weird names. Those right. names that you said wasn't were not bad, but like reading reading like Tolkien, I was just like I can't right. with the names, right? It's like I had to nickname them other different names and that kind of thing. So it's got to have like a, for me personally a compelling reason why I would open up that book, but what you just described to me sounds pretty great. Mm-hmm. And I have to give you some kudos on the pod about choosing the Charlie Chaplin movie, I thought that was outstanding. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I thought it was really, really good. I tried, by the way, to get my sisters to watch it with me. Uh Uh-huh. It was my birthday. They let me pick. Like, you can watch whatever you want. And I picked Charlie Chaplin. And the look of disgust on their face was... And they're older than I am. You'd think they'd be a little more open to it. But they were just like... And then I had to choose something different. So, um... But I'm glad. I love that movie, and I'm we, me and Juanita and Tim are also gonna we're gonna keep watching the other ones and report back. Gnarly. But that was a good choice. Yeah. I, so I got to give you some credit. You know what you're doing. Yeah, I think like the the last thing I'll say about that, and actually with the Charlie Chaplin thing, is like I think people when they think of like old, and especially big, like that book's big, yeah. seven hundred pages. It, well, it's intimidating. Yeah, it's intimidating, and they assume because it does have like heady things, philosophical things, that it's like impossible. Like I've read impossible books, like mm-hmm. they're really just heady all the way through and stuff, and like. Um, I can tell you one that this this particular book isn't like you can read it and enjoy it just without that stuff. Two, he's like Dostoevsky's not hiding it under a lot of like jargon and stuff. It tells you straight up, so you can just yeah, like you know. You it don't... sounds like it's not difficult to follow with regard to kind of the way he's made the characters. Like it feels like they're very relatable. Yeah, exactly. Like you understand this is the good guy, this is the bad guy. You know, you don't kind of all over the place yeah. with that. And I think, like, you know, English classes and just thinking of things as classics makes it, like, there seems like a... Turn off. Yeah, that it's yeah. like, oh, this is, like, going to well, be too same difficult. With, same with Charlie Chaplin and the and the, the fact that it's a silent film. Right, and it's People, black and white. You right. Know? People think, oh, boring, but, you know, look, let's face it, and you're my idea guy. Ideas are good, whether regardless of how they're like if you have a good idea it's a good idea Mm -hmm. if you have a good book in mind it's a good book in mind if you have a good film it's a good film and then the rest of it you know the the storyline which is why I'm kind of glad that you like to write I think writing is the key right Mm -hmm. so I mean the storyline of everything is the the most important thing and the rest of it with regard to film specifically, camera angles, all that jazz, uh, of course it helps tell the story, but it's about the story. Right. And anyway, so I digress, but the bottom line is, uh, I think with the kind of, like, people are feeling a little bit of a void, and I'm really glad that you are recommending some of these little classics that have been put up on the shelf and forgotten about. Yeah, a little dust on them. A little dust, and maybe, and, and even with a book like this, you can just read a little and put it down and read a little and put it down, yeah. right? You don't have to get it all at once. Yeah, you're not in English class. You don't have to finish it exactly. in, a, in a week or two. Exactly. Like, you can take years if you want. Exactly. So, well, cool. Thanks for that recommendation. Yeah, of um, On that note, we will be wrapping up the episode. Jake was so engaging. Originally, that portion was going to be about five minutes 
but I enjoyed it so much I just let it roll. And uh, next week you can join us. We'll be doing a lightning round with Jake and he's got some pretty interesting insights for that uh, episode as well. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, until then, we'll see you guys next week. As always, I'd like to thank you for joining today. And if you like what you heard, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the channel. Thank you.